Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Jesus Taught Me That podcast. Today, we are in our Tough Question series where we ask questions about Jesus and about who he is. For this series, we will be talking to Zach Jackson, pastor, theology professor, podcast host. He also operates his own science and faith blog, is an organizer of his denomination, Science and Technology Network, and I am looking forward to doing this series with him. Some of the questions we ask through this series may be related to theology. And of course, anytime you talk about theology, people can have different perspectives. If you have some questions, I want to give you a way that you can ask those questions. If you visit our page at befunbecon.com forward slash Jesus taught me that, you should find a way to contact us and send us your question. We want to do our best to answer those for you or connect you with someone who can. All right, let's get into today's question. Zach, I appreciate you coming on for some tough questions about Jesus and more about the Christian faith in general. The next question, this is a big one as well. Why did Jesus believe he had to sacrifice his life for us? Could there not have been another way for that to happen? Why did Jesus think that he had to go this specific route? What are your thoughts? I have a lot of thoughts on this one. This is something that has been a personal journey for me. My first year in my church, I was first year pastor. I'm up there on Easter Sunday during the children's chat. So the kids are up front and this little girl has a question. And I say, yes, Cora, what's your question? She said, why did Jesus have to die? I've been on the job for four months at this point. I'm like, in my mid-twenties, I'm trying to impress this new church by how spiritual I am. And this little girl asked me the most impossible question she possibly could. And I think I did for her what I did to you earlier and gave some long answer that didn't actually end anywhere. And years later, after I had been in it for a while and felt comfortable enough to really think through some of these tough issues, I and she was almost a teenager by that point, I, I said, Cora, I want to apologize years ago for giving you this non-answer. Because I think I've come to a place where I have an answer, at least for me. And that is, why did Jesus have to die? And that's that he didn't have to die. God could have come up with a thousand other options. You even have to think back to the earliest days in, in, in the book of Genesis. We read about Abraham wandering into Salem and coming upon this fellow named Melchizedek who is a priest of the Most High God, is just out in the middle of nowhere. Like, he's not a part of the story of Abraham and the God's redemption and the story of Israel and all of that. He's not a part of the, the Christian tradition. He's just some guy, some priest, some king out in the desert who is a priest of the Most High God. That God is doing something already through this guy that is separate from the salvific work he's doing through Abraham and his family. Separate, but just as important and just as powerful. And later in the book of Hebrews, we read that Jesus is a high priest in that same lineage as Melchizedek. As in, this is God's, uh, God's free agent salvation. This is, God doesn't need to follow your rules and regulations. God doesn't, like, yeah, you people set up the sacrificial system as a way of showing God that you're super serious about this thing, but God doesn't need it. God could choose to forgive people any number of ways. But here's the, the, the troubling part and why I think Jesus knew where this was going. Because though Jesus didn't have to die to forgive our sins, he was always going to die. 
he was always going to be lynched or assassinated. We were always going to find a way to silence him because he spoke truth to power and he lifted up the poor and oppressed. And when you do that, especially when you do it with the authority of the creator of the universe, when you challenge social systems, the people in power are always going to kill you. And so I think Jesus knew that. He was walking into a hornet's nest. And we could spend several hours just setting up the, the historical context of the world that Jesus walked into. But it was a hornet's nest of hornet's nest. It was like a flaming hornet's nest filled with murder hornets. Like you trip in the wrong way and they're going to execute you. And Jesus walks into this and he's going to challenge Herod. He's going to challenge Caesar. He's going to challenge the, the, the priesthood itself. He's going to empower prostitutes and tax collectors to rise up. Oh my goodness, this guy's not going to make it. And so knowing that he was going to be killed. I think God used our violence. God used our sinfulness in order to bring about our salvation. In order to say to the people of of the world, you literally did the worst thing you could ever do. God himself, the creator of the cosmos, came to you in person, showed up and offered you a free gift, and you murdered him viciously. Like, I cannot think of a worse thing that humans could do than that. That is literally the worst thing. And we did the worst thing we could possibly do. And God forgave us. And it was like no thing. Like we did the worst thing. Two and a half days later, he's back like nothing happened. And that was like, oh, we've fallen as far as we can fall. And God still caught us like it was our greatest sin is like a water balloon against a wildfire. It was like, oh, okay. Now we can start to create the kingdom of God. Now we can live into this salvation, this amazing grace, which is able to conquer all sin, all death. It's nothing compared to this. And that is super comforting to to recast the story of Christ's death and resurrection as the inevitability that humans were going to do the worst thing in history And then the inevitability that God was going to overcome it like it was no big deal. And God's been doing that since the beginning of of history and will continue to do that for the rest of time. And so in many ways becomes the perfect vessel for our salvation. Wow. Thank you for walking us through that from your perspective. I think that is a really powerful explanation, something that I've often thought through just as, I don't know, fun mental thought experiments, I guess, is just how impactful, regardless of how you think from a worldview or religion or any other perspective, it's really tough to argue that Jesus has not had a just a crazy impact on the world today. And if you look at all of the different scenarios in which he has impacted the world, we're talking about this. Again, whether you believe it or not, all over the world, people are talking about this from a political standpoint, from a religious standpoint. You're talking about it in a very deep way. The, the way that we measure Tom is dependent upon where he lived in his life. And so something that I think through a lot, if it hadn't gone that way, if he hadn't stepped into those shoes that he decided to step into, would we be talking about this over 2,000 years later? Would we be talking about it with the same teeth and with the same impact if he had not decided to walk that 
path that he walked. But as a final wrap up, mm. any specific thoughts on that? There is a wonderful book by Bill Myers called Eli. I read this book, I think, probably when I was a teenager. And it is exploring this weird concept of the multiverse in that there's alternate realities that are running parallel to our own in which things are slightly different. So he imagines this character being dislodged from this reality and waking up and finding himself in a world in the 1970s in which there is a mother who is giving birth in a truck stop and after the baby is born in the truck stop bathroom a group of hippies show up in a van and are stoned out of their mind and are like whoa this is amazing man let me tell you about this vision we just had we were together and oh man and then some businessman shows up and he brings some gift or something and we start to realize that this is the story of what if jesus was born in the 70s and went through his ministry in, in the late 90s instead of 2,000 years ago. And he tries to imagine what society would look like having not had that, how, how religion, how society would have developed, and then how Jesus would have been treated now, and how eventually he ends up being lynched in a field, and the sorts of people that he's surrounded with. And Jesus all along knows that this guy is not from his reality, but lets him tag along and really helped me. And I've read it a couple of times to recast this idea and to, in the end, say that no matter how history turned out, God was always going to save it. God was always going to come to it, to become one of it, to love it intensely and personally. And um, so whether that was 2000 years ago or 30 years ago or whether, um, it could have been earlier or later. I think history would have done what history did. People would have been mostly good, but still pretty bad. And the moment that Jesus showed up in, he would have spoken like the people. He would have transformed whatever regular things that we take for granted today and turned them holy. And he would have shook those systems up and turned the world upside down. And people like me who are religious leaders, probably would have not been on board. And that, for me, is something that I remind myself often, and I remind my church often. You would probably have rejected Christ if you were alive 2,000 years ago, because he was so radically different from the norm. In what ways are we rejecting Christ now, and would we miss the second coming if he came the way he came the first time? And this sort of a thought experiment that I play in my head. Where are the, the fringes of society? Who are the widows and the outcasts that Jesus calls us to care for today? Maybe those are the undocumented people or the drug addicts. Who are the prostitutes and tax collectors of our day? And who would Jesus have surrounded himself with? And I ask myself, am I also surrounding myself with those people? Am I getting in the sorts of trouble that Jesus got into? And most often not. And so... It's helpful for me to recast Jesus as somebody who is contemporary and challenge myself as well as my congregation. Goodness, I appreciate that. This has been really great, Zach. I appreciate you coming on. I know it's been meaningful for me. And so thank you so much for coming on. I appreciate it. Thanks for joining us in this series as we explore more about who Jesus is. So much in our society has been influenced by his life in some way. Something I think about is that if I wanted to be the best painter I could possibly be, I would probably find the best painter in history to pattern after, maybe Leonardo da Vinci. If I wanted to create a really cool computer company, 
I would probably follow Steve Jobs. Plus, I don't know, apples are my favorite fruit, so that sort of makes sense. If I wanted to live the best life I possibly could, not just a good life, not even just a great life, but the best life, I would try to find someone who lived life perfectly. The only person I know of who has done that is Jesus. If you heard something today you're curious about, you have questions on, or you simply want to learn how to apply the message that Jesus gave us to your own life, I invite you to reach out. You can contact us just by going to our page at befundbecon.com forward slash Jesus taught me that. I'll see you on the next episode.